Welcome back to Fight Capital, where we step into the ring of combat sports business. I'm your host, Ryan Rappaport. Today, I'm honored to be joined by Mohammed the Hawk Shahid. As the driving force behind KHK MMA and the president of Brave Combat Federation, he has been instrumental in the incredible growth of mixed martial arts in Bahrain, transforming it into a thriving hub for the sport. His journey from a fierce competitor in the ring to a visionary leader outside of it is a story of passion, dedication, and innovative thinking. Today, we'll explore how the Hawk is just not just shaping the future of MMA in Bahrain, but also impacting the global sports landscape. Assalamu alaikum, Mohammed. Thank you for being here. How are you and where are you joining from today? Alaikum salam, Ryan. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. I'm uh, here in Bahrain. We have uh, a busy uh, two months to end uh, 2023, so excited for that. Yes, I know you're going to be in Spain on Saturday, which seems like it's shaping up to be an exciting event. I'm always interested because not a lot of promoters have actually been athletes in the space, but as someone who transitioned from being a mixed martial arts competitor to now being at the helm of Brave Combat Federation, how have your experience as a combat sports athlete shaped how you lead and manage both Brave Combat Federation and KHK MMA? I think uh, from the combat sports side or MMA, it's, it's so much more easier because you understand the challenges and the issues of fighters, the industry itself, and I think mixed martial athletes are slightly different from uh, athletes from other sports because uh, we as athletes have to learn the industry as much as any other promoter that's out there uh, who's running the business as well. So you need to know the media side. You have to understand what is to have choose the right managers. Uh, you are always looking at ahead of time or, or, or in the future of uh, post uh, fighting career as well, whether, you know, building a brand, building a gym. So you're always in that mental space while you're a fighter as well you know that's a little bit different from when you have a hundred year old sport where you're just put in the system and you feel like it's already existing and I just have to be a good talent and I can be at the top of the game if uh, if I'm a good athlete but in MMA you have to find 20 different ways of when it comes to matchmaking or talking to uh, getting the right opponent for the fight how you build yourself so so much that goes on uh when you're an mma athlete and i think uh, for for the athletes from the early days i mean today it's more reformed but when you're talking about 10 years back uh 15 years back athletes from that those time they are already entrepreneurs and for me there's been so much more easier being an athlete to understand the industry that there's no better way to learn the industry than becoming an athlete myself you know and i think that was my biggest lesson but at the same time uh the values that you learn uh while you're a combat sports athlete and a mixed martial athlete i think those values is what i take to industries outside of mixed martial arts today, um, while I'm a chairman of KHK Holding, where we are working on different industries and different sports at KHK Sports and the media side of things, I think the values that I learned as a martial artist, I think that is, for me, the highest uh, value more than any other education that I'm getting as I uh, go forward and uh, learn and do the business. Yeah, that, that's certainly true. And I really enjoyed your podcast with Muhammad Akayev, where you talked about that evolution of him and how he's kind of grown into the business from an amateur talent to where he's at now, potentially fighting for a UFC championship sometime in the near future. But I would love for you to discuss, to discuss uh, the fostering of amateur talent in MMA and how such of the alliances that you've helped coordinate, like the IMMAF, has helped not just elevate uh, Brave CF's promotion, but also the overall combat ecosystem. Absolutely. I think 
The amateur scene is the future of mixed martial art. Uh, uh, we know that our sport was built upside down. We didn't have an amateur scene. We didn't have governing bodies. Uh, we jumped in straight into the professional side of the sport itself. And uh, because of that, we don't see a lot of top promotions really focusing on uh, the development of the sport as a priority of their business. And um, and that's fine. I mean, it's, it's ultimately a business. You're looking at your uh, bottom line. You're looking at uh, your year-ending uh, balance sheet to be green or red. That is ultimately the focus. But uh, this is where the birth of Brave Combat Federation uh, comes in. We, our core value was about sports development, reforming the sport of MMA from an event business to a sports business that one day we could have those athletes like we just spoke about who doesn't have to think about all those business things and leave it to their management and their team and know that i am an eight nine year old uh, kid who can just go to a gym and have this uh, systematic uh, progression model that's uh, w created by the industry itself that i could go from gym to glory and that that's always been our focus um, so today having that amateur scene uh, with International Mixed Martial Arts Federation, what they have built in the past 10 years, it is definitely the future. And we're seeing that today uh, from uh, the top athletes coming out from that roster, but also uh, from an MMA perspective, we've all been there from the, you know, watching UFCs and the day one MMA from Pride and UFCs and all that stuff. And we've seen that uh, uh, technical evolution in the sport where uh, we have... Uh, MMA guys didn't know what MMA was. It never existed. MMA was just a bunch of different martial arts competing against each other. And we always loved that idea of Muay Thai versus Jiu-Jitsu with wrestling was Judo. And uh, eventually that we started that change. We seen that change when wrestling came in and started, or even before wrestling it was Jiu-Jitsu that came in and did the uh, uh, the big eye opener, let's say, in mixed martial art. And then you saw wrestlers coming in and then you saw the evolution of understand wrestlers understanding the submission, submission artists understanding the wrestling aspect and the striking aspect. And then we are seeing that uh, transition when you have this new sport like Sambo come in, who, who's had so much more experience from a very young age, from, from their young age, uh, where they do the striking, they do the wrestling, they do submissions, and th th it's much more mixed than individual uh, martial arts. So then the question comes in, so we're seeing the domination of Sambo athletes uh, from the likes of Dag Dagestan and Chechnya, but then what what happens if we have that eight and nine-year-old uh, kids coming from purely MMA, so they're doing everything that is within the rules they they're training mixed martial art all their life you know what would we see that evolution how would that look like and i think that's what we're seeing with the, the likes of makayevs and the up-and-coming athletes that's coming from this roster and i think that is ultimately going to be that uh, evolution of mma where we can say that you are an mma fighter uh, and we don't have to really worry about uh, what's his background or what's the uh, martial that they come from but they are purely MMA fighters. We don't, uh, we st still don't have that a lot in mixed martial art today. We still have athletes coming from some background, but then the likes of um, uh, Mokaevs and uh, Ramzan Gitinovs are the example of uh, those mixed martial art athletes. And I'm really excited to see uh, that for them to go out there and dominate uh, the mixed martial art world and say that this is ultimately the final uh, uh, evolution i wouldn't say that it stops but at least from in terms of martial arts itself you realize that this is what we've always been waiting for since 1993 uh, and one of the things that have impressed me about your organization is how you foster that global talent as well um i mean if just looking at all the other promotions in the world it's arguably to say that after the ufc brave combat federation is maybe the most global 
uh, actually even more than the UFC, considering how many places you have been and how many different countries and localities you've been in. But now you're making your debut in Tenerife, Spain, the Saturday, November 18th. Can you just talk about the significant significance of that ex expansion into another new territory and how that aligns with your global vision? Absolutely. I think uh, th th there's different areas of uh, where we want the sports uh, to be in the next 50 years. I mean, uh, the, the beginning of Brave Combat Federation, like I said, the core value was sports development. Uh, and we wanted the mixed martial industry in uh, all aspects. I mean, it's not just about the uh, uh, talent development, but also creating a sustainable business model for mixed martial art as an industry uh, around the world. I mean, that's what we wanted, the, the, where we want the sports to go. And that's the beginning of Brave Combat Federation. That's always been the foundation, the value of Brave. So one of the factors has been uh, empowering a governing body, which is what you'll see us do with uh, uh, the International Mixed Martial Art Federation, how we are supporting them, how we are working together to make sure that uh, we grow, you grow, we do this together, because that's where the uh, future lies. Uh, but at the same time, it is also important for Brave to make sure that uh, we travel around the world and go to countries where you see the talent. Some countries have the talent. Some countries uh, uh, have the uh, resources but does not have the uh, branding of mixed martial arts in that country. And you still want those countries to come on board because uh, it, it adds a lot of value to the industry itself. And then you go there and do more of the education side. But then you have countries like Brazil where you don't need to educate them about mixed martial arts. But their struggle is the uh, economic side of things where you don't see that kind of cash flow into mixed martial arts industry. And you see all the big organizations taking a back step uh, for the past five, six years. And which is where we say that now we are doubling down and making sure that we're going back into the uh, into those countries and uh, giving them uh, the resources or creating those resources in those countries so what we're doing with uh, globalization on the outside looks like brave is traveling to a lot of countries and yes we have uh, traveled to more countries than what ufc has done in uh, 30 years and spain is going to be the 30th country that we are actually going to uh, uh be hosted in in the past uh, seven years so that is a great achievement but the significance of that achievement really is the idea that how we can bring the world together to work on one uh sustainable business model for mixed martial arts. it doesn't happen overnight so when we go to a country you'll notice that we work with uh, local promotions that's very important because they have spent years in developing the sport and did their part uh, from sweat to money to everything else, the hard work they've put in to build the sport. So we have to go there and work together with them. Of course, Brave brings in the international value, brings in the sports values, as we say, where uh, it is beyond mixed martial art, where when you bring mixed martial art or uh, a Super Cup finals of uh, one of the football uh, leagues, the difference is people value that more because they feel like their sports values there and not MMA because MMA is just another event. Uh, but with the sports final matches, uh, what they see is, oh, it's going to be a networking event. You're going to have celebrities come in. We're going to have uh, businessmen come in. We're going to have government officials come in, governing body heads come in. So it's much more bigger than the sport, the event itself. You, they don't see that in mixed martial arts very often. And because it is an event, it goes away and maybe comes back, does not come back, but there's no uh, ecosystem that is built in the country. So we're going to, we try to change that by going out there, working with the uh, uh, local organizations, uh, bring the international value and the sports value onto the table to the country. And that 
the byproduct of that is to have the nation's uh, governing bodies, the government and the private sectors to come on board and support mixed martial art. And uh, you do that in as many countries as possible. And then they all start linking with each other because you have the same uh, resources and uh, behavior in all the countries and they understand it better. And when they all link together and work together and you have the security of a governing body in mixed martial art looking over everything, it starts, you will start seeing the shape of actual sports business or a sports industry in mixed martial art. Otherwise, we would be ending up doing great, massive events in different places, whether it's boxing or MMA. Uh, but it will be just an event model where today you will have uh, two top fighters fight or you could have uh, two models fight or two YouTubers fight. Uh, and it's all fine because it's an event uh, business, but we don't see the sports value in it. And the people who are going to be suffering are passionate uh, enthusiasts like yourselves, me and the athletes the managers, everybody else is going to suffer on, on, on the long run because uh, we don't want to be like our big brother in boxing, the, what we're seeing with them. And the MMA is not far away from that happening, you know. So this is, I think that is one of the behind the scenes uh, significance and values that a lot of people don't see in what Brave does. But ultimately, we've always been focused on that. And that's always been our uh, uh, priority in terms of where we want Brave to go and what Brave's uh, positioning is there is in the MMA world. Yeah, well, I think that speaks to the beauty of the sport, it being such a, a global phenomenon. And there's very little equipment you need to learn how to start participating in combat sports. So for sure, that's a huge impact for what you're helping do to develop the sport and the global recognition as it being one of the fastest growing means of athletics in the world. But, I, you know, something else you just spoke to, which I thought was very important, you've been instrumental in fostering past partnerships with like major companies such as MTV, ESPN5, and most recently, like you were saying with other promotions, Hexagon MMA. Can you just shed some light on the strategic, strategic significance of having these past partnerships and how they're influencing your current trajectory? Uh, definitely. I think uh, Brave Combat Federation is uh, blessed uh, because our founder is His Highness uh, Sheikh Khalid bin Hamad. And we are already, if you look at uh, everything that we're trying to do as Brave for the MMA world, uh, it's not just uh, a group of MMA lovers that came in and said that, you know, we need to change the MMA world and let's go and do something new, something that nobody has seen before. Uh, that's not the case. If you look at the backstory of Brave Combat Federation, who's behind Brave Combat Federation, there's a vast uh, amount of experience and knowledge in the sports industry uh, from uh, a national uh, development of sports that we have from what we, ha uh, what we have done in Bahrain as a country uh, focused on uh, national development of sport, but also at the governing positions, whether it's uh, uh, FIFA or whether it's uh, in uh, Olympic level, uh, uh, Olympic committee level. So we understand the governing side. We understand hosting international events from F1 to Ironman, to name it, also investing in teams, what the business of uh, sports is, whether it's investing in football clubs like Paris FC or Cordoba CF or uh, the first Tour de France team behind Victorious. We, we've been in every aspect of the sport and we're taking that, that knowledge uh, of uh, the sports industry as a whole from uh, hosting events to investment in business to the governance side and we are bringing that to mixed martial art. That's something you will not see any of the mixed martial art organization, even the top ones, have in their back pocket and that experience is something uh, I think is the only way to bring it to mixed martial art and put that on the table for the whole uh, uh, global MMA industry to really benefit from. Uh, so that's 
where we come from. And with that being said, uh, for us to go and do a partnership on a te television deal or into countries as well, we understand them better, not as mixed martial art, but as everything else. So when we go into a country like India or Africa or Central Asia, we've already had multiple relationships with them. We had sports relationships with them. We've been playing uh, Asian championships with these countries. We know their governing bodies. We, we've been there and have spoken to the sports investors of those countries as well. So uh, we do have a lot of experience outside of MMA and we're just trying to get all those values that we have outside of MMA and we're introducing to them this uh, amazing project of what this beautiful sport of mixed martial arts is and trying to get them on board with this sport as well. So it's just so much more easier for us to make those relationships uh, with uh, uh, the country's broadcasting network, the gov governing bodies of those countries as well. And that's why we've been able to go at such a fast pace. And uh, while we are going at that such a fast pace, uh, those values that we have is what we name it as sports values. We want to make sure that we give it back to the uh, uh, organizations that were not uh, uh, lucky enough to have those uh, backing, but were passionate enough and had the strong mixed martial art heart, let's say, to build that sport, even if that does not bring them any money back, even if we know the industry really well, a lot of people have been bleeding money, a lot of people have not have been doing this purely out of passion and love for the sport. Um, and we want to give that back to them. So every country that we go to, we want to work with the promoters who, uh, who, are, who have been building the sport for a long time. And we come in and we do the bigger picture where it's globalizing, getting those international partners on board, giving them those international exposure through our uh, broadcasting partners, but also on a national level to bring those uh, national governing bodies who we have a relationship outside of mixed martial arts to invite them and show them what these local promotions has been doing for the past 5, 10, 15 years and nobody has been paying them attention other than our MMA world but outside of them nobody has been paying them attention and we want to bring that attention to them and that's uh, so that, that, that's uh, I think uh, something uh, very crucial in uh, why we do this partnership but also the benefit of that because ultimately if these local promotions are empowered and they get those values in their countries, they would be 10 times faster. There's no question about their ethics of work or hard work or passion for the sport. They have done it without anything. Imagine we bring them those values. What would they be doing with all those uh, resources they get? No, that, that's an amazing point too. Having that access to surely speaks to the roster of people that you brought in at KHK MMA, all that experience and the that global network has been amazing. And I, I don't think people outside or just the casual fan will understand the level of talent that not only you currently have at Brave CF, as well as what you've had at KHK as well. People like Islam Makachev, Khabib Nurmagomedov, we spoke about Muhammad Makayev, John Kavanaugh. I mean, and I could just keep going down the roster of the current athletes you work with. And it's, you know, some of the best ch world champion wrestlers, Sambo fighters. I mean, it's pretty amazing. C can you just talk to me a little bit about what makes KHK MMA so distinct and how do you ensure it remains a beacon for these upcoming athletes? Yeah, uh, KHK MMA was a vision and uh, the, where Brave Combat Federation started, uh, when we talk about the story of Brave itself, I always take them a step back and uh, start with KHK MMA because Brave Combat Federation starting a promotion uh, and being part of the 7,000 other promotions that exist already was not the goal. Our goal was post-development and so... In, at an initial stage, it was more of the testing. Uh, we were testing the water. So when we had the talents like Habib, Islam, Frankie Edgar, uh, Eldar Eldar, Hamza Kohiji, Alex Soto, a lot of these guys, Shorty Torres, Franz Mlambo, we brought all of them together. Uh, I think that was uh, one of the early days where you see the Dagestani guys working with us, BG, together uh, under one roof in a very friendly manner. But uh, so 
uh, at those days, we're looking at these talents when nobody knew who Habib was, nobody knew what the quality of Islam was. But these days, the, the idea was what happens if we give them the right resources? We give them the resources similar to what a football athlete would get, an NFL athlete would get, or NBA or a cricket athlete would get. What would happen to these athletes if they were given that treated like one of these uh, mainstream sports athletes? Uh, and then we put that to a test, but it wasn't only the top athletes that we, uh, that we looked at who were already in UFC, like Habib and Islam and Frankie Edgar, but was also guys who were in the professional level, like Eldar and Hamza Koiji, but also the guys who were just transitioning from amateur to uh, professional side, like Franz Malamba and Shorty Torres. Uh, but the fourth tier was, for me, the most important, which is the amateur level athletes who have not even started their career at, at that stage. So we put them into four different tiers and we started uh, giving them the right resources to see how would that result. And uh, no question, uh, Frankie Edgar, when everybody thought he was done and dusted, he came back up and the opportunities that he got at that time was amazing. But Habib and Islam, I'm not going to even uh, mention their achievements. But then you see the likes of uh, Eldar Eldarov and Hamza Koiji, who's Hamza Koiji, who's now the biggest bantamweight in the Middle East, and uh, Eldar Eldarov, who's already a world champion, but has transitioned from becoming a world champion to becoming one of the most renowned uh, coaches uh, and uh, coach slash manager for the KHKMMA team. Uh, but then the beauty was when you see the third and fourth year where you look at the guy, uh, fighters who are just turning pro and doing the pro debut and you're seeing Shorty Torres uh, becoming double champ at uh, Titan FC, becoming a brave CF champion today and like similar to what uh, James Gallagher became a superstar for uh, Ireland and uh, Franz Malumbo is now one, uh, one of the top guys in um, uh, featherweight division if I'm not mistaken in PFL. Uh, the amateur team was also very special because they became the number one ranked team in the world for amateur uh, uh, MMAF ranking, let's say. So we've seen the success at every different level. And then the question came in from His Highness was, how do we do this for everybody else in the world? But that was just 20 athletes. There's 20,000 in the world. How do we make sure that this platform or this opportunity is there? And the answer to that is, from my side, was more of, I don't think we could do this in this particular system that we exist in today because we have to reform the system itself. You have to create a new system. You can't stay and compete with Nokia. You have to bring iPhone on the table. And uh, that is the only way to do that. I mean, uh, you could be the biggest brand. When you change the system, something new is coming on board that is going to reform the industry that is made for everybody around the world where you don't have to have the fighters come and call promoters like Shahid, Dana White and guys and call them and say, hey, can I get a fight? You know, please, I'm a great guy. Look at, you know, and eventually reach to a point that if you don't speak English, if you don't, if you're not good at trash talking, if you are not good at uh, social media, you're not going to be able to get the pay or the opportunity like the ones who are actually good at it. And we understand the media value, absolutely, but that shouldn't be the highest priority. Uh, and without that, you shouldn't be losing your career. And that's the situation where we are in today. And we are to be blamed as the people who are leading the sports at the promotional level, as promoters, as company owners, and we are pushing that more to be the higher priority more than anything else. Uh, and this is where we need to change. And this is why we started Brave Combat Federation uh, to become the, uh, the vision more than a promotion and say that let's be within the industry that the MMA industry understands today. If we went out and created the governing body, created the franchise model and changed everything from day one, nobody would 
give a damn about us let's say you know they wouldn't even know what we're doing they wouldn't even understand it the mma world wouldn't even understand it because uh, they don't understand the international sports let's say in, within the industry so they didn't they wouldn't they, they can't relate to it so we had to be within the system and be there do what we're doing today and then introduce uh, the new business model the new uh, structure for a global uh, ecosystem and that is what, where we are going so uh, today we are seeing that work really well because even if you, we see the amount of talents that come from the International MMA Federation Championships, whether it's World Championship, European Championship, Asian Championships, we see that development happening, but that wouldn't be seen if they were still in the kitchen doing their championships in Las Vegas, you know, and nobody would even know that existed. I mean, uh, we've seen this organization for the past 10 years, but if you see the difference since 2017 till today, how they have just blown out of the water and reached to the top and what they've been doing today in terms of uh, the number of countries being part of it, the number of athletes participating in the competition. It's massive. This, I think for me, I've been part of a lot of world championships and other combat sports as well at an amateur level. And uh, we've been associated with them even till today. Uh, but I've not seen a world championship as big as what the IMMAF world championships looks like in terms of glamour production and everything else as well. And that adds a lot of value for a kid to come into a world championship uh, and see this at the age of 14 and 15 and he looks at the magnitude of how big this is and he's like okay for the rest of my life this is what i want to do if this is how big it is but if he went for a world championship and he was fighting in an apartment you know with a mini cage there i don't think he would have a dream to be there for the rest of his life you know and that little things matter a lot a lot of people don't think of those areas it's nuances but those things matter as well so we had to work together to fit all of those in and today we are seeing the results but it's just the beginning that we said that it's a tip of the iceberg because we're still in the event business model uh we still have a long way to go in terms of converting this whole system uh, industry of mixed martial art and turning it into a franchise business model when that happens and it's not far away you will we have already started implementing those in the next five years you will actually see that day where you will see the MMA organizations that are today trying to create pay-per-views and big events and focusing on um, the business side, which is great, amazing, and we love it and keep doing it. Uh, but you will see one day that they're all going to be Nokia's and uh, what the vision of Brave and uh, IMF is, is going to be the apple for the organization, for the industry itself. Just to reinforce that point too, um, I had on a MMA a amateur athlete who's having having his pro debut and won an IMMAF championship, and that's one of the things he spoke to too. I mean, he's from Kingfisher, Oklahoma, on a reservation there, and never traveled very much. But here he is; he had the opportunity to go to Latin America to participate in the championships, and that gave him that global perspective that he may not have ever have had with that or faced international competition now he's heading into his pro debut his name is gabe rednose that was one of the things that he stressed about immaf and then i just think back to shorty torres who i had on a couple months ago right after he won his championship and spoke so highly to the access and the visibility he's getting with brave whereas you know a smaller weight class those guys have trouble finding the right promotions and getting treated properly. And that's the other thing he accredited to your organization. But going back to that too, it's all about getting the eyes, right? And you've had some recent partnerships with major streaming platforms like Video in Indonesia, MX Player in India, Airtel in Africa. And that's not only positioned you as a global sport icon, but it's expanded that reach new audiences. Can you talk about the strategic importances there of advancing MMA's popularity and how do you see them shaping that combat sports landscape of those diverse regions and those partnerships? It's key. Uh, 
those are very key partnerships because if you look at the likes of video in Indonesia, Airtel in Nigeria, Geo and uh, MX Player in uh, India combined together, they're reaching over a billion um, uh, unique users for their applications itself. So to get give these billion users access to mixed martial arts stories, I think that is key for us. So as you said, I think uh, having the right eyeballs is very important and telling them the right stories of what mixed martial art is and educating um, these casual fans. I mean, the hardcore fans know mixed martial art. They're going to consume this content regardless. But the idea is what are you going to uh, share with the casual fans of mixed martial art? I think this is the key point. So these partnerships are reaching to uh, billions of uh, uh casual fans and you're telling them the story of mixed martial you're telling them the story of uh, a kid from nepal who came to work as a butler in middle east and turned out to be the first person to represent their flag in the world championship and uh, the person he was uh, a butler for in his palace is behind him holding his water and towel for him these stories are stories that will give hope to people and this and that's that's something that we could we could be proud for than any other uh, numbers that we see on our balance sheet. And there's millions and millions of stories that's out there and we don't, we're not able to tell those stories. And the reason why we're not able to tell those stories is because again, going back to our sport, when English speaking sport, and uh, a lot of people that's outside of the English speaking sport are not getting the opportunity unless they start learning how to speak English. And they, that's when they get into the mainstream. We can't be, we can't have a Lionel Messi in mixed martial art where I don't know how he speaks. I have never listened to an interview of his, but I truly believe he's one of the best uh, footballers, if not the best footballer in the world today. Uh, and that that is, does not go back to his marketing abilities, branding abilities, or uh, his way of talking is just because of his talent and how can we have that in mixed martial art you know and these partnerships are going to be contributing to the athletes rather than hoping that i'm not going to sit down and say that i need an athlete that can sell tickets sell pay-per-views and he should be really good at trash talking and i've been working with a lot of promotions uh, doing co-promotions with a lot of organizations uh, around the world and uh, one thing because we are in this ma system we naturally develop this mentality business mentality where we are like listen I see these two guys fighting, but can we make sure that these guys are not going to uh, wrestle and uh, hug each other and be on the cage and on the ground? I mean, we want to see the fans want to see some people, you know, standing up and, uh, you know, banging each other. You know, I, we want to see that. But the, the, the thing I say is I understand that purely from a promoter's perspective. I truly understand. That. I love to watch two strikers go at it. You know, we, we all love it. And that's amazing. But let that not take away from finding out who's the best fighter. I mean, isn't that what we all started falling in love with mixed martial art for? When we had a guy who had one hand with the boxing gloves and the other was bare knuckle and coming and fighting with another guy who was wearing a jiu-jitsu gi. I mean, this is what we loved. We wanted to see is Taekwondo as good as Muay Thai, you know? What happens if a Muay Thai guy throws leg kicks at the Taekwondo guy who's hopping around? We loved that. That was the that was the foundation of the sport, to find out who's the best fighter in the world. And today, I love, again, I'm, I'm not going against the media requirements of the media part of uh, uh, the, the industry, but not uh, sacrificing the sports element. Uh, and this is the situation. So with these partnerships with MX Player Video, uh, Airtel, what we've done in 2023, we are reaching to a mass audience that we can tell these stories to, build hope in the in the 14, 15 year old kids who are watching and saying that I want to be that individual. I don't have to worry about uh, becoming a Conor McGregor or becoming uh, an athlete who 
who has to be that uh, outspoken. I can be if I have the talent. And that's all that matters. So I think these partnerships are great in terms of making Brave Combat Tradition a media giant today. I think nobody has been, um, we've, we've achieved something that the whole Middle East have uh, in their sports industry has never achieved before in terms of having an organization founded in the Middle East and being exported at this magnitude around the world. We've always been great at importing sports and making sure that we build a structure within the region. But this is the first time we're seeing uh, an organization being exported at this level. So for us in the Middle East, they look at us and say, wow, that's a Middle East organization doing this but we always say as brave we're a global organization because this is the same thing that we're doing for southeast asia south asia we are a south asian promotion we've never seen a population as big as india pakistan bangladesh bangladesh and sri lanka combined together have the opportunity to take their athletes their sports and export it and we are doing that for them we're doing the same thing for uh, uh south america if uh, brave international combat week in south america hosted the first pan american championship and that's the byproduct of doing events in that in those countries like we discussed earlier and creating the sports values and then when you see the private sector and the government bodies coming to support mixed martial art you will see that the bigger picture of creating pan american championships and then when the pan american championship starts coming in and those kind of athletes are being built what's going to happen next is much more bigger than that so it's it's a step-by-step process but uh, it starts from someone being brave enough to go to these countries and say that we're going to take that first step step regardless of having any data of numbers valuation uh sponsorship price ticket sales none of that we're going to go there why because your priority is sports development everything else comes uh second in line oh and i, and I can speak to that personally i am uh MMA nerd, as I like to tell myself, and you, you actually was brave who put Johnny Walker on my radar back in, I think it was like 2017, right. when that, that, that event you had in Brazil. And that just speaks to, hey, these are the people, but it's that international reach that's bringing in that talent and bringing it to a worldwide stage. But, you know, one of the things that's also impressed me is you are investing in not just MMA in Bahrain, but also in the spectacle of it. And I know you're going to be hosting three events in Isa Town in December. Can, can you just shed some light on the significance of the location for Brave being back in Bahrain and its combatants? First of all, firstly, I think it's... I think it's 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 a very emotional uh, events in December because there's there's a lot of significance and a lot of storyline behind it. Uh, one, if you look at seven years back, uh, and you look at Middle East, there we used to have MMA organizations. We did have MMA promotions. We did have MMA fighters. Some of the top MMA fighters. They were all we did have the sport in the region. It was not new, but we really didn't see it uh, reach the world. We haven't seen someone take the sport on their shoulder and say that we're going to develop the sport in this whole uh, region and take these athletes to become international stars. And we've not really seen that. Um, and whatever the reason might be, we don't know. We love the Muhammad Ali's and the Mike Tyson's and we used to follow boxing from very long time, but we never had international boxing events. We didn't have the combat sports move into our region. It was always the big sports, whereas football, horse racing, golf, F1, you know, and whatever the reason might be because of that, maybe it could have been uh, considered as a taboo, but. But then we had His Highness Sheikh Khalid who came out and, like I said, do, do that first thing. Like, And that's a behavior you will see in Brave till today, that we go to a country regardless of any other data and be brave enough to jump in there. And His Highness was the person who put the face to combat sports and said that this is Brave Combat Federation, this is KHKMA, this is some top fighters from a place called Dagestan, Russia, which nobody in the Middle East knew about. And he bought Khabibs and Islams and Makayevs at the age of Makayev, at the age of 15. We scouted him, you know, so all this... 
started with one person putting his face and saying that I'm going to carry this board on his shoulder. And today, after seven, eight years, you're looking at it and you're saying that this is the this is the new hub for combat sports. The biggest boxing events are happening. The biggest UFC events are happening there. Every organization wants to come here and have, need a piece of this uh, region. And that's amazing. You know, that's amazing to see that. And for us to uh, always come back and see the success that we've had in 2023 from um, broadcasting deals, uh, digital deals, to partnering with the international organization, to becoming the most global organization uh, by breaking the records of being hosted in the most amount of countries. All of this happening in 2023, I think it is very important to come back and do that event in Bahrain and not just do one event because there's so much to tell. So that's why we had to do three events in the country and uh, hopefully that's enough. But also during this time, host the first Asian championship uh, uh, to, to develop. I think Asia is one of the most important continents for the future of mixed martial as well. Uh, so having that Asian championship for the first time hosted in Bahrain with three events, it is very interesting. And then each event has its own story from... Um, uh, Brave 77 that's happening in December 5th when Kubanich is uh, taking on uh, uh, how did I forget the title fight? <laughs> so many. <laughs> Lucas Martins, of course. Kubanich yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, taking on Lucas Martins. That has a huge story behind it. Uh, likewise, when you look at Brave uh, 79 on December 8th, that's, you mentioned Johnny Walker, we mentioned uh, Habib's Islam, Frankie Edgar, uh, sorry, uh, Franz Ngannou, uh, Gamza Shemaev, Benoit Santini, Makaev, Shorty Torres. Imagine you have a card that you say that, imagine all these guys fought in one card in the previous Brave events. You know, that would be amazing. But Brave uh, 79 for me is that card where you're going to see the future Gamza Shemaev's and the Johnny Walker's and the Benoit Santini's and Ilya Tapuria's all in one card where it, from the get-go, from Mahsin uh, starting the fight, who's the number one, not number one, the greatest in the history of Wushu Sanda, in the sports history, is the one that's doing the, that's starting the, the card. So that just shows the quality going up the card all the way to the return of uh, Tahar Hadbi uh, to fight against Ismail Nuruddin on a like we said, a fan favorite striking clinic. But then you have Ramzan Gitino fighting on that, who's the number one pound for pound amateur fighter in the history of IMA, of the most decorated athlete. And then you have Rasul, who's the uh, combat samba world champion, beat Schneider in the wrestling world, and become a uh, world champion at amateur level. He's going to be on the same card. And then the 2.0, Gamzat Shimaev 2.0, Gamzat Maev is also going to be on that same card. So we have all these guys lined up to fight in one card, which I feel like. All of these guys are the future of mixed martial art, and it's beautiful to see them all fight in that same card. And ultimately, we go back to the finale, which is December 15th, uh, with Shorty Torres and Nkosi uh, making that uh, part two fight an amazing for, for me, it's amazing that we could make it in this year. Uh, we're always looking at 2024 to push it to 2024. But uh, we've had a lot of pressure from a lot of people in terms of making that happen as soon as possible. And then we have the likes of Hamza Kohijis, Ezzedin Darbanis and uh, Gamzats who are waiting for the title shot. So we had to write finish the story in 2023. And there's no better uh, way to uh, do it than on December 15th, uh, followed by the last dance, which we call it as, where we have all this community before Brave event, there's been a lot of Middle Eastern athletes that has been struggling, working hard and passionately uh, dedicating their lives to mixed martial art. And when Brave came in, they got the opportunity to blossom and go around the world and showcase their talents. And it's so good to see that community back again, doing that one last combined event where they all can come together and fight in Brave against uh, UK and Ireland talents. And that's going to be a Middle Eastern Arab legends versus UK and Ireland. So that's going to be an interesting one. 
and uh, you know ending that with the title fight of Nkosi and Shorty I think that's going to be an amazing card so it's just three events all of them having their own stories and uh, a lot of excitement into it and in between that you're going to have the first Asian championship as well so uh, fun interesting and hectic week yeah. well and uh it really speaks to his highness Khalid bin Ahmad and his four vision because it definitely is it was probably taboo back in 2015 2016 when he's approaching this and saying that he wants to take on that role you know as royalty and in investing himself and his public image in that it's it's quite the leap but I've had people like a friend Will Harris from an Addy of a fighter who's fully invested in the Middle East and Asia in terms of the quality of talent the stories that need to be told I mean he's not even looking to do fight week stuff anymore he's just talking about the talent whether it's boxing, MMA, wrestling that's coming out of the region. And it's been impressive for me to watch. And as a fan too, being able to see the level of talent like Rasul when he beat Kyle Snyder. Kyle Snyder is arguably one of the greatest American wrestlers of all time. And having someone like that type of talent in your in your division is quite amazing and, and very cool to see. But I, I will say I, I'm incredibly grateful for you taking some time out of your busy schedule to do this because um, quite a fan of the organization, seeing it moving forward and, and really excited to see what you do next. Uh, thank you, Ryan. It's a pleasure to be here and it was great to have a chat with you and hopefully we'll see you in behind for the Brave event. That would be wonderful. Thank you so much for doing this. Thank you. Have a wonderful day.